Welcome back. Lucy's, we've missed you. I'm so happy to be here. It's an honor being nominated by myself to return to the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) The fans have voted and we have answered. And we're back. We're freaking back. Just kidding, guys. There was no vote. We were always going to come back. We got renewed by ourselves for season (laughs) two. It's the the best way. (laughs) The joys of self-producing means you get to give yourself the green light. Yeah, so we're back. We're in sunny Burbank, California. We are. Except it's nighttime. It, yeah, it is dusky Burbank right Molly now. is back from New York where she left us for months on I end. I did abandon you guys to go to New York for a little while, but I'm so glad to be back at home in Los Angeles. So, what have we been watching besides I Love Lucy since we were here together last? Master of None. Uh, yes. Speaking of women in comedy, I've been watching a lot <laughs> Master of None. I've been watching <laughs> a lot on, of, sorry, a lot of Veep. <laughs> yes, I'm fully caught up on Veep. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is a Lucille Ball of our generation, for sure. Oh, yeah, totally. Modern Lucy. I have been watching Golden Girls for the first time. You've been cheating on Lucy with the Golden Girls? Listen, I just like watching ladies talk about lady stuff and, like, being ladies and trying to figure out what kind of old lady I'm going to be. So you saw the episode where they're watching Yeah, there's an entire episode where basically the B-plot is Rose and Blanche watching I Love Lucy because, of course, Rose has never seen it. They stay up all night watching it. I don't know the show very well. Who of the four women is the most Lucy-like and who's the most Ethel-like? Oh, that's interesting. I almost feel like Sophia is Lucy because she's always coming up with these get-rich-quick schemes. Is she the mom? Or is she the... Sophia's the mom of... Of Arthur? Of Blanche, yeah. I almost feel like, in a way, Rose can be a little bit Ethel in the way that she is so sweet and, you know, caring. I just love the name Rue McClanahan. That's, like, all I have to say about Golden You should Golden name Girl. your daughter Rue McClanahan. I'm like, where'd name... you get... Oh, it I just came to I'm gonna me. name a dog Rue McClanahan. I like that. Like a pug? Name I'm gonna me. name my dog Betty White. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you there are many dogs named Betty White. Of course. It's a yeah. good name. So yeah, I've been watching Golden Girls. What else? B. Arthur. B. Arthur documentaries. Grace and Frankie. Grace and oh, Frankie, I of love course. Grace and Frankie. Oh, I rewatched Thirty Rock. Always, oh, it's a classic. It was. It has women on it. It has ladies. It was as delightful the second time as it was the first time. Clearly, I have a lot of time on my hands. It sounds like, but also I work in TV, so it's part of my job. Another show that I love that I recently watched the new season of, and it's about a couple created and run by a man and a woman together, similar to this show, is Catastrophe. I was just going to ask to guess it, because you always talk about how much you like Catastrophe. Guys, this show is so good. This show is so good. And Sharon Horgan on that show is kind of like a Lucy. It's a very warts and all sort of depiction of a relationship. We see Lucy at not her always most flattering, and that's definitely something that this show minds for comedy of like showing people and how they can behave in sort of inappropriate ways in intimate relationships. Chewing gum also. Chewing gum is so good. I love that show. So good. If you watch one thing this week that's not I Love Lucy, watch Chewing Gum. Yeah, that's You can watch it in one sitting. It is so good. She is definitely taking inspiration from Lucy, too. Oh, absolutely. Oh, so good. Dear White People has some great female performances. Ladies can do stuff. Oh, it's so good. I need to watch that next, I think. I've been watching Homeland because... Because that's a comedy. Because Claire Danes in that show is like my spirit animal. I don't think I don't think that's a good thing, but I'm into it. Are you listening to a lot of jazz lately? <laughs> <laughs> Having emotional like, breakdowns to jazz. I just like I'm making wrong decisions. <laughs> <laughs> that's a really classy way to be like, I'm having a rough time right now. <laughs> But she does great. She job. always saves the day, but she does make a couple. She delivers, but she yeah. fumbles. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I'm in the fumbling stage. <laughs> Speaking of, do you know who's not fumbling? 
Our very special guest this week, we have Miss Allison Rich, who is an actor, writer, and all-around funny person that we're so lucky to have with us. Ooh, yay! yay. Ooh, applause from the live studio audience. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good, good. Thank you guys for having me. Of course. We're so excited to have you here. So there's not one but two Allisons here, which is really exciting. This is tough. It's, you know, we're going to butt heads, I feel. I know. One <laughs> it's L, two exciting. L. It's going to be exciting. I don't know. Yeah. Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> so we'd love to take a minute to just help you guys get a little bit more familiar with our new Allison. Yeah, The newest Allison. Yeah, improved. <laughs> no. It's like double the Allison. Allison. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> who are you? What do you do? I am a human woman who uh, acts and writes, started to do some directing, which is cool. cool, but I have no ego about it. It's not good directing yet, but down the line, perhaps. Love that. Yeah, I've, you know, got my start at UCB, like many people, and have been hired to act and write in the world of comedy, somewhat hoping to get to more. And I also make and aspire to make more of my own stuff. Love all of that. I think that's... We're big proponents of making our own stuff. Right. And funny ladies. So speaking of women, do you remember the first woman you remember seeing on TV as a kid? Oh, gosh. Hmm. Doesn't have to be comedic, just like anyone at all. No, yeah, first woman at all? Probably like some woman in an ad, right? (laughs) I mean, I'm trying to think of the first shows that I watched. I watched a lot of like Saved by the Bell as a kid. So maybe Kelly Kapowski. Tiffany Amber Thiessen. Tiffany Amber Thiessen, (laughs) love her. I watched a lot of Xena. Oh, hey. You know, Lucy Lawless. I mean, probably the true first woman was like someone on the news or Marge Simpson or Mm. something that, you know, women have been on TV. They just haven't always been necessarily in meaty roles. Yeah. True story. The Marge Simpson. (laughs) She's a lady of substance. She holds her own. But Um, how does her hair hold itself up? (laughs) How does it hold its own? (laughs) (laughs) Heroic hair from Marge Simpson. And what shows or characters are most in line with your comedic sensibility, personally? Oh, gosh. I mean, I really like Chris Lilly from the Summer Heights High world. I think he's amazing. I remember seeing Maria Bamford when I was 14 on Comedy Central and being like, who is this lady? I think she's amazing. It's really exciting to see her sort of come back more into the public eye in the last couple years. Love her. I mean, I watched a lot of SNL. I think the first woman on SNL that really caught my attention was Sherry O'Terry. Mm-hmm. I think she's great. Yeah, and growing up, I did watch a lot of I Love Lucy and The Cosby Show. And Bill Cosby got a mistrial this week. <laughs> but he really has my comedic sensibility. <laughs> no. It is uh, what it is. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever had that question asked before. So I'm probably not going to have it all figured out. And that's okay. Love it. <laughs> we are where we are. Uh, well, we you- are where we are. Is that a Kesha <laughs> song? Right? That's yeah. what it is, right? <laughs> I think it's, we are who we are. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that Kesha song. Yeah, I thought you said catchy, but you said Kesha. Both. <laughs> I think Kesha's music is great. I wish she would come back. More I hope Kesha, she's doing please. okay. I know. And I want her to come back because her songs were like soundtrack of college for me, for sure. So catchy. So you mentioned that you did watch Lucy as a kid. I did. So what is your relationship to I Love Lucy? Like, have you seen a lot of it before? What were your impressions of her? Yeah, I saw a ton of it growing up. And it was funny watching Job Switching because... I still thought her comedic ability definitely holds up over time, but just all of the 1950s sexism completely washed over my brain. And watching it, it was like, ugh, this is tough. And maybe six or nine months ago, I rewatched Vitamina Vegemin, and that I was really 
impressed. She is such a physical comedian. She's so specific. But also the episode felt very long and that whole bit where she's like getting drunk on the medicine felt really long. But I think it's just because our attention spans are nothing these yeah. days. So yeah, I, as a kid, you know, I think it was formative. Women can be goofy and unattractive and weird. So I think that, yeah. I think it's interesting to mention Vita, Vita Vegman. Am I even saying it right? Vita Vita Vegman. Thank you. Because we watched it probably around six months ago as well. And even just from a structural standpoint, there's no B story in that episode. It's literally just she's going on the commercial, so it feels really long. Right. While this, we were at least cutting back and forth between yeah. the two. And wasn't that episode two one where there's no real ending or there's any no sort tag. of resolution? Yeah, and it just felt so like it was just cut off. Right. Yeah. I remember when I was moving to LA, I read her. I guess it was a biography. Because I think she also wrote an autobiography. She does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she got it from the library. I read it. <laughs> Wait, I might have been the... I don't remember. But yeah, it just then shed a lot of... Like, I didn't realize, I think, when I was younger that she was in her 40s, had kids late. I think I had some sense that she was ahead of her time in terms of being a producer, running her own thing, basically creating the multicam, right? Mm-hmm. I got the impression from the book that she was as amazing as anyone gives her credit for career-wise, but also maybe not the easiest person to work with, you know, in a way that lots of high-achieving people are, I think. Yeah. Well, and then the other thing we learned when we started reading up on her is also that Desi was this huge powerhouse business person that we know he doesn't really get credit for. Right. And The two of them together were kind of... And the fact that you had this biracial couple, one of them's an immigrant, that was really progressive. He's younger. He's six or Uh, seven years younger. Oh, yeah. And she started off as a model in B-movies and things like that. I was at dinner yesterday with some friends and told them that I was, you know, doing the podcast and they had never seen an episode of I Love Lucy. It was fascinating. And I was like, how do you miss that? But then again, <laughs> I didn't have cable as a kid and I didn't see much of Bewitched or shows like that. So I'm always curious because we talk to people from all over the country because LA is all people who are transplants. And how did you watch I Love Lucy as a kid on TV? I feel like it was just on CBS or something in reruns on like Saturday mornings. I would watch it through the summer. I don't fully remember, but I only had the five channels. I feel like it was on all the time. I grew up in New York, and it was on all Yeah, the time. I grew up on Long Island. <laughs> oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. But other people were like, I don't know where I would have seen that. Yeah, yeah. but now it's all on Hulu, so. Yeah. Thanks, Hulu. And Amazon Prime. Let's not forget <laughs> my favorite source for I Love Lucy. Okay, so you are like a Lucy fan. You yes. are well-versed. Maybe you'll have an answer to this question. Uh, are you a Fred, a Lucy, an Ethel, or a Ricky? Or a combination of any of them. Oh, gosh. Hmm... Obviously, everyone wants to say Lucy like they want to say Carrie or whatever. (laughs) But I think the thing about Fred and Ethel is that they're curmudgeonly, and I don't think I'm like that. The thing that's putting me off from Lucy is that, especially in the first five minutes of this episode, she portrays herself as such a child, and Desi is her father, and it's so gross. (laughs) It happens a lot. Um, And I'm like, well, I'm not that part of it. But she's so goofy and I just feel like I identify with Lucille Ball and not necessarily the character of Lucy which obviously me being like I identify with the best part of it Um, because I think growing up I had three brothers my mom's really unfeminine I think I have always felt kind of unfeminine and it's only in my adulthood that I've become more feminine and I think femininity seems foreign to me and I think you see that in her even though she's fully made up and actually very beautiful there was just no 
pretense in her performance she was like i'm gonna cover myself in chocolate and look like a fool and you know total lack of vanity yes i feel like this is something that is getting talked about a lot in tv and media right now about women's own relationship to femininity i feel similarly where i never felt like i was doing femininity right right like it was always an outfit i was trying to get tailored (laughs) totally or like i would just see women and i'd be like we're not the same (laughs) you know but i also think men feel that way too right So you talked a little bit about the gender roles in the show. Yeah. How do you feel women are being depicted today on TV versus on Lucy? And is it different? And if so, how? Yeah, I think it's definitely different. I mean, it was almost unenjoyable to watch the episode, especially in the first five, ten minutes, because instantly it's Lucy spent all Ricky's money and Lucy is a baby (laughs) answering to her father, Desi. And men are the earners and women are the spenders. Listen, holding down a job is a lot more difficult than lying around the house all day long. Is that all you think we do? Yeah. It got a little bit better in that it was showing, it's not that she does nothing or the women do nothing. They do domestic work and they do it well, and that's not something you can just do. But I think, you know, it felt very cartoonish to see how women were depicted in that way. I rewatched all of Sex and the City last summer. I think it is great. And that's only 10, 20 years old. And the farther removed we get from it, the more we're like, I feel like here and there they'd say homophobic things or it's just all white, upper class women. And so I do think it's kind of inevitable that we're going to keep cringing at these things in the past. But I think that there's a lot more depth in what we see in women today. And if there's anything you wish you saw more of on TV with women or less of in terms of what we're seeing with women on TV? I think that I wish that we were using all this vocabulary about women less. It's like female driven, blah, blah, blah. In the way that I think some people talk about gay characters, how about it's just a character and they happen to be gay or they have a gay relationship? Because I think it's really condescending and kind of sexist in its own way to be like, here's this woman show or something. I picked up girls. I had watched the first couple seasons, then sort of got bored of it and then returned to it when people were saying season five was really good. And for all the problems the show has, I could not get enough of Lena Dunham's nudity. I was like, this is great. You know, (laughs) when people talk about a character like hers or someone like Mindy Kaling's character on the Mindy Project dating a guy that you'd think is more good looking than her. Sometimes I would feel like, yeah, that is weird. But other times I'd be like, guys have been doing that for forever. So I just think that TV and media serves many purposes. Sometimes it's because you really want to see what is real. And other times you want to see fantasy or you want to see something to aspire to. So I think that there's realistic stuff that serves us and unrealistic stuff that serves us. As long as it's serving us. (laughs) Service, please. You know, love it. And this is probably our favorite question. Mm-hmm. Um, we love to ask people, if you were pitching a reboot of I Love Lucy today, yeah. how do you think like would be the best way for Lucy to come back into the world? Yeah, you don't have to include all four of the characters. It can be focused on one or two of them. Oh, man. You can put them anywhere, doing anything. Gosh, that is quite a question, one that I probably want to think more about. But That's off fine. the dome, I was struck by how much Lucy reminded me of Amy Poehler. You'd put Amy Poehler in it. It'd be her, you know, later in life. Even though they had multiple spinoffs where you did kind of see her later in life. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely want to see her in the workplace, I think. Because revisiting it, it really feels like, is she still the same character if it's not the 1950s? Mm. 
I think what's good about a lot of her comedy is that it's self-deprecating and unpretty, but where it tips into a bad zone is portraying women as completely incompetent children. And so how do you lean into the good part of that, of we up and that can be funny the way it is with a man if she could have some daughter who was sort of her foil who was more competent just to show two sides of women i don't know i want to see lucy with a daughter i also watched the golden girls a bunch and estelle is so funny mm-hmm. older people really aren't portrayed much at all especially not for older people right. like that seems super progressive to me mm-hmm. and how did that happen should we do a Golden Girls podcast? She's been pitching this for <laughs> Let's get into it then. Today we're going to talk about job switching, which is more commonly referred to as the Candy Factory episode. It aired September 15th, 1952, and was effectively the season premiere of season two of I Love Lucy. And we have a little synopsis. After Ricky and Fred get upset about the girls' spending, Lucy and Ethel go to work in a candy factory while the boys do the housework. This is the episode where whenever I tell anyone that I have an I Love Lucy podcast... They're like, you know which episode I love. And I'm like, let me guess. Is it the Candy Factory episode? They're like, yes, how'd you know? I'm like, everyone has seen this episode of television. Or everyone knows what this looks like. Right. Yeah. So where do we begin? How do we start? Let's start with Ricky's entrance. So he walked in the door. He gets to a pre-designated spot on the stage. That was his mark. Yeah. Because he like stood there and then he crosses his arms and he's tapping his hand. Hemming and hawing. Yeah. Yeah, It's very like, this is how you sitcom act. I thought about Lucy's performance because she is obviously very big and broad but I think it's just more in her bones because she could listen and be still, but then I just think she's on another level and just so naturally right for the camera. Yeah, so he's mad at her because she wrote a check and asked the teller not to cash it. Can't you just post-date a check? That's what I I do with rent every month. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like she did that in another episode, too. This doesn't feel like new material. Her spending habits are a common theme throughout the series, and Mm. her getting berated by Ricky for her spending habits. She can't balance a checkbook. I mean, it just struck me as such an unhealthy relationship. She literally hid behind Ethel when Ethel came in. Mm -hmm. It's very, like... I'm your child. Uh, Yeah, the whole yes, sir, yes, sir, no, sir. I know. It just, what's crazy to me is how in not that much time our cultural norms evolve. What are we doing that in 50 years people are going to be like, their relationship was this gross. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, but you're right. Man crush Monday? Ooh. (laughs) Objectifying (laughs) men on Mondays? How dare (laughs) they? I always think about how when people have wedding hashtags that when their grandparents, they're going to have to be like, another wedding hashtag (laughs) So Ricky is fighting with Lucy because she spends too much money. And then Ethel and Fred come up at the wrong time. Mm. And when Fred goes, no thanks, I went to the fights last night. So dark. Yeah. <laughs> Again, goes back to oh, spousal abuse. Yeah, it's yeah. always sort of oh, an undercurrent that. in the show. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fred's also obsessed with going to the fights. <laughs> Is it like boxing matches? They do. Yeah, they love that. What struck me about this conversation was Ricky was like, is Ethel ever overdrawn on her accounts? And then Ethel has a very funny joke about never having enough money to open a checking account. It's easy. I never had enough money at one time to open a checking account. <laughs> what? 
But then it made me realize that the women have their own separate accounts that, like, the men must deposit money into. Like your wifely allowance? As an allowance, he's not saying that our accounts are overdrawn every month. He's saying, yeah. But also, like, couldn't women not get credit cards back then? Something about banking needed to be done with a husband or a man's permission. I don't think they could have opened a bank account on their own. Yeah, and it is really chilling to think about if any of these women got divorced, they'd have zero dollars. Literally zero. Ugh. I mean, just to have no financial freedom whatsoever is just, just seems really... I've gotten really into financial literacy in the last year or two. I listened to this other podcast called Bad With Money that this mm. girl, Gabby Dunn, she's a vlogger. Uh, she started this podcast being like, I have credit card debt, I'm really bad with money, and she has different experts on. Just to know some of these basic things can let you sleep better at night because you don't need to rely on a man. (laughs) I need that podcast in my life. Like, yeah. Yes, there were two seasons. I think it's pretty great. They're saying women don't, you know, she doesn't have a job. You wouldn't let your wife get a job. Yeah. And And she's been trying. She's been trying to be in the band. She wants, if you would let her be in the show. Yes. Because Lucy's always trying to be in the show. Right. If Ricky would let her in the show and she could make her own earnings, maybe she'd be more judicious with her money because she made it herself. There are a lot of other solutions other than yelling at your wife. Don't you think she got paid for that vitamin a Vegemin commercial? Contractually, they were probably obligated to pay her to be drunk. <laughs> I feel if like I could get paid to be drunk. <laughs> there are shows that do that. <laughs> I feel like Lucy would have been the one who, for Vitamin and Vegemin, she'd be like, you don't even have to pay me. I'll pay you to be on it. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't know how to negotiate because she just hasn't been around the block. She's just excited. But also, the other thing, we know she's 40. She's playing her own age. And they've been married for 11 years. They said that. What was she doing all of her 20s? How was she supporting herself? Right. Yeah. Was she living at home with her parents? It's hard to believe that she didn't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes when you look too close, (laughs) there are holes. Right. So Lucy and Ricky are the ones making this wager, and they always drag Fred and Ethel Mm -hmm. along. Fred and Ethel do not want to be in this experiment, and then they just get pushed into it. I feel like they had a much calmer life before Lucy and Ricky moved upstairs. (laughs) There's some real lack of boundaries happening. Whatever four-person version of a throuple is, they are. Quuple? Yeah, quadruple. quadruple. They always do everything together. This was not a bad week for Fred and Ethel's marriage because sometimes it's really dark. Yeah. Well, he did talk about how their wedding was the worst day of his life. True. He says that all the time. But usually you're like, this is a good marriage and this is a bad marriage. And mostly it was all like muddy waters all around on this one. As much as Fred kept screwing up all the household chores, I kind of felt like he was enjoying it a little bit. He kept changing outfits, right? <laughs> Fred loves a good outfit change. <laughs> he just, like, he loves wearing costumes. costumes. That's the only way he's happy. Yeah. They decide that they're going to switch jobs for the next week. So the men are going to do all the housework and the women are going to go to work. So the next day we get Ricky in his apron with his sleeves up. He was looking good. He was really hot. I I was very into it. Agreed. (laughs) Love a man in apron, love a man's forearms. You know two things about Passions include forearms. Mm -hmm. I think forearms are really sexy. Forearms are really sexy. I think they're really sexy. I completely agree with you. Those coffee pots were crazy. Did you see the big silver? It was like a percolator? I I guess. I I don't know. My kitchen does not look like that. (laughs) It had all these weird appliances. But he didn't even make their own breakfast. Yeah. He's a cheater. Burned a dozen eggs. Yeah. A dozen? (laughs) I mean... Just put them all in a pan once. I'm also surprised it didn't smell like burning when she came in the room. That's a lot of eggs. Yeah. I almost expected her to come out in a suit. I feel like actually that could have happened on that show and that people would have laughed. Here's the 
here was my question is how do you find a job in 1952? Because when she was reading the newspaper, I'm like, oh, is she looking through the newspaper? Are there help wanted ads in the newspaper? There's the employment office, which they go to. Right. Are there just ads on store windows like help wanted? Right. Yeah, I think newspaper job listings and wandering around and talking to people you know. Just wandering like around. like working in your family business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Word of mouth. That's true. Stay local. Staying on the family farm. Yeah. Did you guys read like Aziz Ansari's Modern Love book yeah. and how he talked about how back in the day you had a huge chance of just marrying someone in your building. So I'm sure jobs were the same thing. Just what is next to you. Yeah. Like, oh, the grocer needs a gal. Right. <laughs> needs a girl. <laughs> Shop girl. Yeah, you could do that. Fred comes back upstairs to see Ethel and he goes, you forgot to kiss me goodbye. Oh, pretty cute. Really sweet. I loved it. One of those moments where we actually like Fred. Mm-hmm. So cute. That's what you're leaving. <laughs> Yeah? What about it? Well, you forgot to kiss me goodbye. <laughs> and I think part of it is he was wearing that apron, and he's more comfortable in costume. Yeah. I wish that they had actually switched for the episode, and Ethel was the got out her tools and fixed the plumbing as Fred and Lucy did of show. Was a band leader. Was a band leader. She'd be an excellent band leader. Yeah. Because Ricky would have been bad at the candy making. Yeah. You know? I think we all would have been really bad at the candy making. It was very stressful. It's very yeah. intense. It was really stressful. I nerded out because it was Acme employment. Yes. And I was like, okay, what is Acme? Because I feel like I had these memories as a child watching cartoons. Animaniacs. Oh, and Wile E. Coyote. Yeah. Everything, like Road the Runner. anvils were always Acme, and it's apparently a Warner Brother convention where they oh. made up this oh. thing, Acme, for just generic branding because Acme, in Greek, it means something like the zenith or the okay. high point. Wow. And also they did it specifically because if you went to the yellow pages, it would be at the top of anything, oh, yeah. AC. So they were like, we just want to be the number one. It became the thing that everything, when you needed a generic branding name, you would just say Acme. That's so interesting. Like 555. Five, five. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. But again, another time where Lucy, their show had to just sort of figure out, what do we do here? Oh, we'll do this. And then everyone will do it forever after us. Yeah. And the president of Acme is A. Snodgrass. Snodgrass is such a great name. <laughs> I want to marry a Snodgrass. <laughs> would you change Allison your name Snodgrass. for that? Only for that. You would be A. Snodgrass. You would be the president of Acme be. Employment. It was played by Alvin Hurwitz. Love his work. Yeah, he seemed like a bird. <laughs> Hair, and he was like, yeah. what do you do? <laughs> That's great. We need jobs. So he asks if she wants to go first after the, what do you do, what jobs do you have? And then she just says, what do you do? <laughs> that was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. There was a lot of great facting, face acting. Oh, yeah. Yes. Is, that, oh, is that the term? So the fa- the and also her lip liner was amazing. It was this very specific, overdrawn. The shape of it is not a shape that we see today. <laughs> I've said it before and I'll say it again. Lucy was overdrawing her lips before Kylie Jenner was. Oh, <laughs> for sure. She does it better. <laughs> yeah. So the jobs that A. Snodgrass is offering them are stenographer, bookkeeper, Comptometer operator. Cantometer? Comptometer? Comptometer. What is that? These sound like fake jobs. Supposedly, you operate a big calculator, basically. Wow. (laughs) How big is the calculator? Do you have to climb it? (laughs) You have to jump on the buttons? (laughs) Sounds like a good workout. Uh, (laughs) A new trend. No, I think it was an early version of a calculator. Like Like an abacus? Like an abacus. (laughs) And you had to, you know, plug and unplug and press buttons. Right. Oh, I saw hidden figures. In the Turing. (laughs) What was that? Oh, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Imitation game. Yes. Mm. So next was dental technician, which 
Seems like a specialty. Yeah, I don't think I want someone who just wanted a job one day to be the one on my My temp agency sends me out to do dental work all the time. (laughs) I'm pretty sure you have to go to school for it now. Insurance adjuster, which seems also weirdly career-esque, not like nine to five. And PBX operator, which is... Peanut butter? The telephone system. Oh. So if you call... Like an operator? mm -hmm, And they want to connect you to somebody else... I feel like um, I could have seen them doing that. Yeah. That and like sending all the wrong calls to the wrong people. And Oh, that would have been That delightful. goes back to, I think you pitched a reboot where Lucy was a Hollywood assistant. Yeah, and she and can't roll calls. So they end up working at a candy factory. Yeah, Kramer's Candy Kitchen. It all starts with a K. KKK. But it was actually shot at C's Candy, which is here in L.A., like the one on your way to the airport? There's like a factory oh, or something like on chocolate. La Cienega. That's right. Yeah. Well, and the woman who makes the chocolate is the woman from Seas Candy. Oh, really? Okay. We need to talk about her, the one who's actually... Yeah. She's using two the hands. Wait, what do you mean she's from Seas Candy? She worked at the actual Seas Candy oh. shop. And when they were making this episode, they were like, we need to go talk to someone about take how candy, candy gets candy made. Shop. And then they asked this woman to be on the show. So she's not an actor. That's really funny. And then apparently when the slap thing was happening, this lady who was just making candy, she didn't want to hit Lucille Ball. And Lucille Ball would be like, hit me. <laughs> like, oh hit me God. in rehearsal. And she was like, no, I don't want to. So during the actual taping, Lucille Ball really smacks her. <laughs> so then she would actually respond. Wow, yeah, she really amazing. smacked her back. Jeez. But um, you wanted to talk about I her. I want to talk about her because she's doing two different things with her hands. Yeah. It took me a while to figure out what she was doing. Looks like she's just messing the chocolate around. What is she doing? I've been watching The Great British Bake Off. I know how baking and desserts work. But then I saw she balls up the dough or whatever with the one hand and then she's covering it in chocolate with the other hand. So she's doing two different things with two different hands at once, and I was just really impressed. Yeah, it was amazing. Also, your story about her being like a real employee makes sense why she never responded. I bet they tried to give her lines, and she's like, nah. You know, because you think if someone hit you in the face with chocolate, you'd be like, what? You know, but instead it was just right back. (laughs) Or even the whole bit of Lucy trying to engage in conversation with her probably was because this woman didn't want to act. (laughs) Cannot do it. Her name is Amanda Mulligan, and she was a real dipper at Seas, and she said afterwards that it was a very boring day, her day on set of I Love Lucy. (laughs) And when Lucille Ball asked her if she watched the show, she had never seen an episode because she watched wrestling on Monday nights. Wait. (laughs) She's a hero. I love her. I do think, though, that's many actors' experience of when they get their first jobs. They're like, oh, this is really boring. (laughs) Because you just are waiting around for like eight hours, then you do 10 minutes of acting, and you're like, that was it? I can go now? Oh, okay. It's not a good job. So Amanda Mulligan would be a big fan of Glow. (laughs) Yeah. She's really into wrestling. To lean into what you said earlier about her being a child, her whole doing finger painting in the chocolate, mm-hmm. that first bit, is again, her just like being a But baby. it was really funny. So I was funny. Like, her just physical comedy is, you could put her up against anybody be funny today and she can make faces and do things with her body. You know, she's yeah. like on par with Jim Carrey or anything. Yeah. You know. She's having so much fun. I think that's one thing that gets like the escapism factor or whatever, that like there are certain performers that people just love watching because it's like that person is having more fun than anyone else in the world. Right. And I'm just vicariously living through mm-hmm. them. So right. my dad always says about Bruce Springsteen. 
That's a little timid. Oh my god. Dad. With all this candy humor, we're also cutting back to the situation at home. Which, frankly, I didn't know was an element of this episode. It makes sense when it's called job switching, but everyone always talks about the candy part. You don't talk about the fact that the men are trying to do normal household things and they can't do anything, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, and they have some pretty big scenes. Yeah, and I thought that's why it sort of turned a corner when... At the beginning of the episode, it was just Lucy is useless. And then they show like, no, they have real skills and things like that. I remember seeing the starched up stocking. Oh, <laughs> that rung a bell for me. I think some of my favorite moments might have been with Ricky and Fred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm- Ricky just ironing was my favorite moment. <laughs> okay. So I don't iron. So I get it. I steam everything because steaming is just so much easier. But was he pouring water on? Yes. Okay. Because yeah. I was like, is that a chemical? I don't understand. So just water. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying, guys. <laughs> As a costumer, did you respond to anything? I mean, he wasn't doing it right, but I just liked how much fun he was having in ironing. He was like, this is delightful. I get to dance and sing to myself. (laughs) Oh, with the vacuum, too. Yeah. Where he's like, oh, women just don't know how to use their brains. Uh I can read my newspaper while I'm vacuuming. It's like, like, also, you can't see what you're picking up, so you don't know if it's clean. I don't know. I mean, I love him most of the time, but there was so much shade unnecessarily thrown in in this episode. Yeah, he was more problematic than usual in this episode, I'd say. Get it together, Rick. I thought Fred handled the situation better. He didn't want to do the housework, but then he really leaned in. (laughs) He's a Sheryl Sandberg (laughs) of the 1950s. Fred Mertz makes a very sad cake on this episode. I did think it was very funny (laughs) that he baked the icing into the cake. (laughs) Because has he never seen a cake? (laughs) I also don't think that would happen. I don't know. Seven layers? (laughs) I don't know. I have questions for the props department, but that's neither here nor there. Well, shout out to the props department because when the chickens and the rice and everything, the chickens fall from the ceiling. They hit Ricky. The rice explodes on its own. Or in the earlier scene when they pop that piece of toast and Lucy catches it. That was amazing on many levels. That's actually a running thing because that's happened before. But Lucy pops it to Yeah, Lucy, yeah. I think he's trying to copy her. Mm-hmm. Also, the chickens. Was anybody else just disturbed by full-on chickens? I was with really like grossed out. Yeah. I was really grossed out. And the pressure cooker. I just didn't understand the process for the arroz con pollo that was, was happening. Was that a pressure cooker on the stove? I don't know. None of it made any sense to me. That meal's going to be terrifying. Just really scary. Ricky has issues with portion control, though, like I do. <laughs> One pound of rice per person. That's... Well, I can get not having a... I remember when I first started to cook, just having cockamamie ideas about what makes what. Right. You know? Rice is hard. Rice is <laughs> Let's very, just be yeah. honest. Because even then when you look at a package of rice, it'll give you the amount before cooking and after, and it can be really easy to accidentally look at the after and think that that's what you're putting in. And Poorly water. cooked rice is just the grossest. Yeah. It's just paste. Yeah, that was a crazy explosion of... Yeah. It looks like oatmeal. Yeah. yeah. That's like what happens when I make oatmeal on the stove. Seriously, every time. And quinoa, too. It always goes over. And also the Clorox on the chicken. Oh, yeah, the soap. Really dark. Mm -hmm. A lot of food prep issues. And there was a broom and dustpan situation for the rice. It seemed like Ricky was trying to save it. (laughs) He kept putting (laughs) it into bowls and being like, we can have this later. While Fred had the tiny little measuring cup or something (laughs) or a saucer. I don't know. They had different approaches. Yeah. Huge waste. Waste of food, waste of money. So the boys lose on all counts. 
But I was dying when Ricky started slipping all over the floor. And you could hear the laugh track in the audience. But there was one woman who would scream (laughs) every single time he fell. (laughs) She was scared for his safety. Yeah, she was. She was concerned. And she was like, ah, every time. (laughs) The first time he fell apparently was on accident. He actually slipped. Oh, Jesus. And then he heard the reaction from the crowd and decided to just do it three more times. And ended up bruising his ribs while they shot that scene. He's picking up some moves. He's learning how comedy works. Yeah. (laughs) The crazy thing is they're not doing any other takes. Really? Because I did notice there were some times when people would lightly flub a line. And I was like, they didn't get that again? (laughs) That is amazing. Because they do it live, I think, and they want the first reaction from the audience. Yeah, I guess they didn't have warm-up people like they do now. (laughs) Where they're like, laugh the second time. (laughs) Let's go back to the factory. Because that lady... So we do go back to the factory. Yeah. Alvia Allman, and she is one of the favored performers on the show. They're very much like a theater company where they have a repertory of Mm -hmm. character actors that they bring back all the time. Because I think it's like in the days before reruns, they didn't think anybody would notice because it's not like you're re-watching old episodes. But she was saucy. (laughs) So saucy. (laughs) How come she got to wear a nice headband and everyone else had to wear hats? Mm. Headwear, let's bring hats back. I'll say it again. That's what power gets you, headbands. Headbands? (laughs) That's how you know. It's like a tiara. I thought the right of the scene was interesting because she lays it out for everybody and then she goes let her rip or whatever and then she has to leave and says someone's asleep at the switch it almost looked like an accident like they were supposed to do it and they couldn't hear her or something Mm. but then there was all these lines between Lucy and Ethel in between and so I wondered if they just needed a reason for her to get out of the room Mm before the chocolate started coming so they could have an actual conversation. Because during that conversation, you learn that Ethel has been to four different departments. (laughs) (laughs) So she got kicked out of boxing and Lucy was in dipping and now they're in rapping. So what other departments do you think Ethel went to? Mixing, like mixing. Sales. (laughs) Sales. Marketing. (laughs) She runs the social media for the the candy kitchen. I think she would have been actually really good at that. That was the problem. (laughs) We need to get that going. It's 2017 and it's a workplace comedy about Ethel and Lucy now currently working. Running a startup candy company? Yeah, I'd watch that. Well, I thought it was interesting that the one job they placed them at, it was partially because it was the last one that he mentioned they were like yeah 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 we can do whatever that is but it was still kind of a feminine job yeah where it was like mm. oh it's ladies making sweet things but i do think the one good thing it's not like their co-workers were men they were competent women mm-hmm. right so it's kind of like if they went to something that is traditionally more masculine like engineering or whatever and then they had a hard time with that that would also mm. make me be like great yeah, yeah totally yeah i didn't think about that this school marm of a boss has a very and the woman who was the actual candy maker yeah lucrative careers as candy yeah people candy purveyors people. of candy purveyors <laughs> that's what's on my business card <laughs> purveyor of candy so then we get into all the cramming the and eating and stuffing I'm and just logistically the pieces of paper that they were trying to put around the chocolates like how were they supposed to stay on they're too big i feel like they're not oily where it can hold its shape. So how were they supposed to succeed at this job? They, they were, were set up to fail. They were set up to fail. <laughs> they tried their best. Instead of orientation, they had an indoctrination <laughs> session, which seemed very well, scary. And I think like, it was just in line with her kind of Nazi-like behavior. Yeah, I just thought it was funny. I was like, okay, that is a way in which we are not, <laughs> that is not how it would happen. Yeah. In this day and age. 
They're stuffing the chocolates everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's just super funny. Yeah. It made me think, man, there's just this whole arena of comedy of physical slapstick that you don't really see, at least I can't think of examples of it in modern. Yeah. Like something like Broad City. Do they do stuff like that? You know, I've been watching Playing House on USA. Lennon was always pretty physical. Lennon's very physical. And there's a character she does, which is a wig attached to a hat that she wears, where she plays a guy. Mm-hmm. But even that, I feel like, isn't the same as slapstick. Like, mm-hmm. I think you see lots of women doing character stuff. Right. But falling down and, scra- you know. Well, it reminds me, because you mentioned Amy Poehler, it's like that episode of Parks and Rec when they're all out on the ice, get their oh, own campaigning. It. And it's not just women, but it's the whole cast is trying to climb on like a float or something. It's There's some like event, campaign stage. event, and they're on an ice rink. And so all of them are slipping and falling on their asses trying to climb on this thing together. That's great. So I feel like that is something like that, but it's true. Having someone just fail aggressively <laughs> is not something yes, we see. Physically, as- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jim Carrey is the person that comes to mind. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe that's something that needs to come back. <laughs> Just people eating it. Or Broad City, like when she gets her wisdom oh, yeah. teeth. Oh. Or like her allergic reaction. Yes. That, that was great. I mean, we talk about how the two of them are very much modern Lucy and Ethel. Yeah. There is that sort of trope of two gals and one of them is much broader and the other one's trying to keep up with them and also rein them in. Yeah. Yeah. So the girls get fired. They trudge back home, bellies full of chocolate, and they find a note on the kitchen door. Don't go in there, which you should definitely go into any room where you find a note where it says don't go Go in in there. (laughs) That's how you can get murdered, Corinne. (laughs) They should have put a note that said something like go in there. Go in there. Don't tell me what to do. Go into the bedroom or something. (laughs) Or go into the other room. (laughs) Or like we have a surprise don't look. Yeah. Where did they go? They, they just, went, I guess, went to a store to get a box of chocolates for them. Oh, right. And, and it was a letdown that we didn't get to see the final mess. Right. Mm-hmm. Or the firing. I feel like all of the most mm-hmm. funny things, yeah. I would have wanted to see that. So Ricky's reason for the chocolates is we never realized how hard it was to run a house. We never realized how tough it was to run a house before. <laughs> so just to show you our appreciation, we brought you a little present. Really? I did. For each one of you, a five-pound box of chocolate. Which is such a nice message to end an episode on. Yeah, I felt like it sort of was seemingly as progressive as it could be for the time. Yes. But also, it's resetting to the status quo to go back to where we were. But I think with more appreciation. Yeah. I would have liked to see some moment of success. They weren't good at dipping chocolate, but if they had had something, they were not just sent home in shame. Yeah. I kind of thought the way the episode would end was with the boys saying, we appreciate what you do, blah, blah, blah. We want to go back to work. You guys can come back home. And the women not tell them that they got fired. And they'd be like, oh, honey, we'll quit because you want us to. Yeah, that's funny. You know, rather than admitting their own failures as well. Agreed. So this episode was actually based on Lucy's radio show, My Favorite Husbands. They did a two-parter. Episodes 78 and 79 are titled Women's Rights. So, and there is a women's rights episode of Isle of Lucy coming down the pike, but just that the original story was titled that, it feels like that's the message Mm -hmm. they were trying to get through. She's such an activist. (laughs) Women's rights are human rights. But I guess it's saying women shouldn't be in the workplace, but they should be appreciated at home. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, like you were saying, they do have cooking as a skill. Yeah, yeah. So it goes so far as to appreciate 
that that's real work, but it doesn't say women can also work outside the mm-hmm. home. Yeah. What are our takeaways? I wanted to bring up something. Yes, Corinne. From this week. I went to a recording of the Guilty Feminist podcast. What that? Oh, I'm not familiar. It's a podcast by Deborah Francis White, who's a British woman, and they had Rachel Bloom on mm-hmm. from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and Rachel Bloom was talking about every episode of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, she has to talk to Patty at Standards and Practices about what jokes they can get through right Mm -hmm. and so things like i saw the fights last night Mm. and like in the pilot ever since we said i do there's a lot of things things we don't i wonder if they had similar conversations on this show because it seems like rachel has them every week and i wonder if lucy had them every week yeah i mean it probably wasn't as regimented as what it is now but i'm sure yeah she set the precedent for a lot of that stuff Well, it's interesting, too, because I was just reading the other day that there used to be a whole clause about any multicultural relationship. Mm -hmm. So the fact that she and Ricky are the central relationship on the show was a huge thing they probably had to negotiate all the time. I don't know if I had actually ever seen this episode in its entirety. I've just seen the Mm -hmm. scene. So it was interesting to see how that scene fit into the whole episode. Yeah. Because the slapping scene is equally great. Yeah. I think I prefer that one. Yeah. I really liked it, too. The fly buzzing. Yeah. Which did not sound like a fly. <laughs> no. Yeah. Bad ADR, whatever that was. Audio cue. Just uh, a guy backstage going, <laughs> You got paid top dollar for that sound design. I think I prefer the conveyor because it has Ethel in it, mm-hmm. and I like seeing Ethel do things too, because one of my favorite parts was when the first one gets through by accident, and you see Ethel or Vivian's reaction, because I'm not sure if she's supposed to let that happen, but she's like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it felt very, fucking. very true. She's like, I failed. <laughs> uh, we didn't get enough of Vivian and Lucy together. The only moment we got was like the two of them as Siamese twins in the appointment office mm-hmm. where they didn't really talk at all. But their facting was really great. So good. Really good. I think my favorite moment was the, the slapping. I was giggling like a child watching mm-hmm. this, which I don't laugh out loud that much. But I was like, tee, like actually that. No, when I watch stuff, it's always like, that was funny to myself. (laughs) I don't actively laugh out loud that much. Most of the time I'm like you, and then there are the comedies that really make me laugh all the time, like Parks and Rec, basically. And there are a couple others. Veep always gets me. I I think I laugh out loud at Broad City. It's just interesting, the different kinds of comedy. Mm -hmm. I'll enjoy all of them, but I remember sitting and watching Girls with a group of friends who I had not watched it with before, and they were all laughing out loud. Wow. See, that's not a show that would be like oh this is like funny in a way that I identify and this is painful and real and beautiful right. <laughs> not like oh haha like what a funny joke they just said yeah. so it was well, just like fascinating to me that we see that I went to a screening of I love dick and there were a lot of moments that the audience was laughing out loud and I was like they're not making jokes it's just it's funny how awkward it is right cringe comedy is not always laugh out loud funny for me no I don't think so either is it because we're in a room full of people and so you're in public and you're uncomfortable and you feel like the thing to do is laugh yeah. at it. Or it's like the relief of... Would you be doing this at your house alone? In which case, then I think that you and I have different kind of way of experiencing shows. Yeah. Is that show good? It. It's so good. Okay. It's yeah, really I've good. heard that. It doesn't feel at all to me like television. It feels like a bunch of smart, funny, thoughtful art house short films that are all in the same world. Yeah. Watch yeah, it. I'll definitely check it out. I need a new show. Watch Glow too. And so many ladies. 
It's like all ladies. Too many, probably. So many ladies. (laughs) Not enough. (laughs) This is it, guys. Chocolate Factory. We did it. Very interesting. It was cool to revisit and great to talk to some real Lucy buffs. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for joining us. Yes, Yes, thanks. Thank you for having me. This was very fun. Uh, Do you want to plug anything? Social media. Good. My life is great and uh, I don't need to prove that to you, world. (laughs) If you want to find Allison, you can find her yourself. (laughs) Come to my home. It's 740. No, I won't. (laughs) Do we want to plug ourselves? Yep. So, as always, you can find us on all social media platforms. Should we get a Snapchat? No. No. (laughs) Okay. So, you can find us on Instagram at We Love Lucy Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at We Love Lucy Pod. You can find us on Facebook and you can email us at We Love Lucy Pod at gmail.com. <laughs> so, thanks again to Allison for joining us. Yes. Thank you, Allison. This oh is a double God. Allison. Yes. <laughs> a double dose, high octane Allison episode. Stay sweet, Lucy's. Woo! Yes. Nailed it. <laughs>